In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. One college football blue blood. Having to deliver a tough message. To a segment of its fan base. Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday. Starring Chuck Oliver. I'm back. Heath Klein was in last week. Well, Heath Klein's in right now. Heath Klein's in every day. But Heath was actually like sitting in the host chair. Like, Heath, I have two measuring sticks. I'm not even kidding. Uh, did we lose any affiliates? Did we get any FCC violations? Both of those. No, th- no on both? Okay. All right. Well, but successful week, but I am back and I appreciate Heath and David and everybody. So thank y'all. Want to say a college football blue blood having to deliver a tough message to, I'll say a segment of its fan base. Well healed. I would not say I qualify as well healed. I am not the person who receives the phone call when my alma mater wants to fire somebody. Or, I don't know, build a, what are they building now? A nutrition science center or a recording studio? They have that at various, Auburn has a recording studio. Auburn has a flight simulator, apparently second to none. So all sorts of bells and whistles, but it was not paid for necessarily by me. I write a check every year, my opulent gift. I've been transparent, $250 a year. That's what it is. So I'm not the person they're coming to. But the tough message that Ohio State is delivering to the well-heeled portion of its fan base is 536 million just don't buy what it used to. Chuck, what are you talking about? I'm talking about at a place like CBUS, place like Ohio State, Missing the play, and if you watch the the Ohio State Michigan game, Kyle McCord, I think he threw a pick on fourth down, and they lost by six, and they were on the Michigan side of the field, like undefeated, fifteen and zero. Nobody could do much of anything against them all year. Michigan defense and Kyle McCord, who right after that game, you know what Ryan Day said to Kyle McCord? Hey, um, won't you find somewhere else to play? With that guy and all the other Sunday NFL monster Godzilla and Rodans all over that roster. Folks, we never even remember who was a runner-up. And Ohio State was a runner-up to Michigan. More so than Washington was. As much as Alabama was. Ohio State was outstanding this year. They were not complete. They were not at the Ohio State level at a couple of places. 
donations is not necessarily one of them I would have suspected. But I did a little Googling of my computer this morning. And I realized that that $536 million, that actually comes into play here. And in Ohio states, I'll say the air they live in, missing the playoffs by that one play it's the fourth quarter we are down by six on the michigan side of the field and with kyle mccord we've got a chance if we convert this we can win and we're in the championship not michigan and it was going to be against iowa so 13 would have probably carried the day I would have said go for anybody. And so that's really what we're looking at. They were one play from the playoffs. And because it's Ohio State, they are immediately in a no bad ideas phase. So let's get an SEC athletic director and take our donations game to the next level. What's that, Chuck? Ohio State is elite in every way, almost. Now, elite, Kirby likes to use that word, and I don't know if he poached that. You know, Kirby, doesn't he have a book, It Takes What It Takes? Like, that's straight from Saban. When Derek Dooley said everything matters, everything matters, and Derek, he got mocked for stopping practice one day and dragging him into the locker room and showing him how they left the showers in their lockers. He's like, folks, how you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're lazy and don't, like, you don't finish in here, what? They all take that from Saban. Who I don't know. Maybe Saban takes that from who was his guy? Don James. But Kirby uses that word elite, and he was talking to some uh, sideline reporter, and I want to say it was after a game when she said something about blah blah elite, and he cut her off, and he was like, "Now hang on, be careful using that word." He's like, elite is the absolute top. And we like, this is a post-game. What's a post-game interview supposed to be? Hey, coach, you won by a whole lot. Boy, you've got a bunch of good players. Yeah, we do. And we'll play again in seven days. And I haven't watched the tape yet. That's the new thing for coaches. I haven't watched the tape yet. That gets them out of every, I, I, I have to watch the tape. Really? Because I'm not the head coach, and I haven't watched the tape, and I do know what happened on that play. I don't know what the play call was. I don't know what the defense was. I don't know what was supposed to happen. I know what did happen. I, I haven't watched the tape yet. Whatever. But Kirby's very, he's almost territorial. He's pee on the bush, sort of, you know, around the stables about that word elite. Interview with a sideline reporter is supposed to be 30 Okay, thank you, coach. Thank you. He's like, well, hang on. You said elite. Elite, you have to be at least top 10. And that $536 million, what would you think? Heath. I'm going to bring Heath Klein in. He's already said that we didn't lose affiliates because of him and we don't have any FCC fines on the way because of him. So he's in good graces. Um, 
From 2005 through the beginning of this past season, Ohio State had received $536 million in athletic department donations. <laughs> They're public. They got to keep track of it. Do you believe that that would be an elite figure for an athletic department, not the school? $536 million from 05 to kick off the last season. Does that seem elite? More than half a billion feels like it should be pretty elite. Yeah, not top 10 in America. Not top 10 in America. Apparently, there are some Auburn grads who don't sit on their wallet quite as much as I do. They're top 10. Florida State's top 10. You can find it. Google your computer. We all have one. Ohio State was not in the top 10. So go all the way back. What to do when $536 million just doesn't buy what it used to? Because you know what it buys at Ohio State? In, not, in national championships, it yes. Plural even. Big Ten championships, those two. Folks, you know what we're leaving out? David's behind the glass. He knows. Do you know what happened between 06 and I'll say the, at least the, till 21? Domination of Ann Arbor. <laughs> yeah, we'll play you there. We'll play you here. We'll meet you halfway, whatever. I think they were like 15 and 1, including Harbaugh. You've done everything. How many times do you think Jim Harbaugh heard the precursor to you've done everything except beat Ohio? Yeah, I know. So I took a pay cut domination of michigan so there's always that final like defcon five if alabama had fallen off a little bit when mike shula was the head coach they didn't like it but it wasn't cause for like all right dial that thing all the way to it's crisis time you know what became crisis time whoa hang on auburn just won a national title like folks sympathetic to the cause in tuscaloosa and i'm about to make a literal statement if you were a bama fan in january of 11 for most of you you had no skill set in your lifetime to deal with auburn as a national champion which is why somebody did now he was crazy but he did things like was it spike d80 on the oaks I mean, killed the trees. He was so set off by Auburn on the football field, he took it out on a tree. Like, that's disconnected, I believe. He had no he had no experience or skill set to deal with. Like, Bama falling off. Well, I, everybody falls off, and then we rise because we're Bama and roll tide. But for Auburn to be, if you weren't at least like 10 in 1957, you don't you have no skill set. Ohio State fans don't like not winning the national championship. We don't like not winning the Big Ten championship. I'll even say we don't like we don't like not beating Michigan. We really don't like that. But for Michigan to win a national championship? If you go back to the you gotta go back twenty five years. And so I'm going to say you need to be like nine or so or 10 to really remember and get it. Folks, you've got to be 35. If you're not 35, you don't really have any skill set as an Ohio State fan to deal with this.
we had a six and six season. Braxton Miller was, I think, a freshman, and Fickle had to coach because Trestle got found out and all this silliness. And so, 2011 was real. 2011 was real. That one season, that one season when you went 500, that was your get real season. You're like everybody else. Otherwise, Ohio State's like, sup? We're the Buckeyes. But even the fall-off season, even a season with no championship of any sort of substance, even losing to Michigan can take it. They're national champs. We need a new action. And our $536 million that we have donated over the past 17 years, that just ain't getting it done. So let's get gorgeous. Let's spread the cash around like butter, and the results are actually coming in already. Caleb Downs is the latest for a very motivated Buckeye Nation. Um, Quinshawn Judkins, like, folks, this is not... I used to marvel at Urban and whoever would go down to, like, Bradenton, Florida and convince a kid to come to... Uh, Ohio for three or four or five years. Just an amazing job there, what they're doing with the transfer portal, because now it actually costs more money than 536 buys you. So Ohio State is, it is a redirected, reinvigorated um, name, image, likeness effort, and they are getting absolute superstars added to that roster. So Ryan Day's going to get the quarterback thing settled, may already have, but um, everything else is just thumbs up. And it is a reaction, not just to a little fall off, not just to Kyle McCord, not just to, oh, we didn't win the conference title. It's a reaction to, okay, now Ann Arbor? All right, that's too far. So that's where they are in CBUS. We're going to take a quick break, come back, jump into it next on this Monday. The king of college football, no matter where you go, with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. All we go here. It's all college football. Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states and 60 sticks. Yay, thank y'all for the blessing. Auburn's athletic director was asked about Nick Saban's retirement. There ain't nothing to do with Auburn. <laughs> it should have had more, actually. Like, there should have been way, way, way more of... I said the other day, like, this should have been Christmas, New Year's Eve, July 4th, Tet. Like, whatever holiday you can come up with, roll it all into one. Um, but there's so much going on, like, of tangible stuff on campus with the program and with the coaching staff that I think is filled out on the offensive side now. So much going on, man, that um, almost like, yeah, we'll get around to celebrate. We ain't got time for that right now. I want to welcome on right now Locked on Auburn podcast. No better source for some info about the Tigers. It's Zach Blackerby. Zach, welcome back to the program. How are you, man? Uh, I guess I'm better than Auburn's AD. I'm still pumped that <laughs> David retired. Yeah, uh, he's like, there's nothing to do with Auburn. I was like, oh, check yourself. Um, <laughs> like, do some of those little, you know, the, the little New Year's Eve things where you pull the two sides and the confetti pops out. Um, talk about your reaction. It's been two weeks now, but we can still talk yeah. about it. Um, your reaction, because the timeline, it, it didn't even have time for it to be a rumor. It was announced by Chris Lowe, and I was like, all right, good enough for me. 
Yeah, yeah, and he had that exclusive sit down. And, you know, I think he executed that really well and kind of let Nick Saban say what he needed to say, not only to Alabama, but to, to college football. And then they hit the ground running pretty quickly, found, you know, uh, DeBoer very quickly. And then it was kind of the big question was, okay, what's the fallout from this? Because the timing was interesting, right? And I don't think that's necessarily Alabama's fault. If you're a college football playoff team and your coach leaves, kind of puts you in this weird situation just because everybody else has had 30 yep. days of a portal window to operate. And we'll see if that changes things moving forward. But uh, I guess my, my initial reaction was the question of, like, okay, what's, what's next? And the fallout that we've seen, this mass exodus of players through the portal, I didn't really expect this. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought DeBoer being such a good X's and O's coach and the guy who's won everywhere he's been and just played for a national championship, I thought it would keep the current players and roster happy. And clearly um, there's some folks that are are pleased and they chose not to leave, but I I, I was surprised. I was really surprised by the fallout that we're seeing with this roster right now. And Antonio Kite, a Bama player, appeared in about a half dozen games last year as a corner. He has uh, portaled and is heading to Auburn. Um, Let's talk about uh, on campus there at the Plains, because I was mentioning the coaching staff. Let's talk on the offensive side. Derek Nix is in the fold. Ken Austin is uh, on the staff now, and that's because Coach Caddy's out and Phil Montgomery got whacked. So uh, Mm -hmm. talk about the current uh, profile of the offensive staff. Mm -hmm. This is going to be Hugh Freeze's offense, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, contractually, there was some drama about Derek Nix, you know, uh, saying he can't leave Ole Miss to go take another job that's offensive coordinator in name only. And so uh, I don't really know how you prove that if you're Ole Miss or not, but we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that. You got to think it is going to be Hugh Freeze's offense, but Derek Nix knows what Hugh Freeze wants. These guys worked together before; yep. they were very successful on the offensive side of the ball when they were together at Ole Miss. Because Derek Nix has been in Ole Miss for forever, and so the fact that he left to join Hugh Freeze, I think, kind of tells you what exactly he thinks of Hugh Freeze. And um, so I, I think it's a good fit. I think it makes sense. You mentioned Ken Austin being elevated to to an on-field coach this is a guy that just talking to a few players and few folks that are very involved and in the program um they actually asked me they sought out my advice and were like why is ken austin not being considered for oc i mean that's how highly a lot of these quarterbacks and a lot of these offensive players think of him and so i think this is going to be an underrated move and all of this the promotion of ken austin i know oc and dc is going to get a lot of the chatter but it's these kind of hires that help programs get better. I think Ken Austin being elevated to QB coach is flying way under the radar. Flip it around, other side. Uh, Charles Kelly, this was, has been an interesting, I'm going to say, like, I don't know, like three and a half weeks. He's announced as hired to do something, and then it's to be co-DC and help with the secondary. Um, and now there's rumors everywhere. Is DJ Durkin, is that a real thing? Uh, It seems real. It certainly seems real. But yet the Charles Kelly thing is weird because I heard rumblings of that. And then it sounds like Colorado and Deion Sanders, they were upset that he left. And so they leaked it to national media. They reported it. And then it's like, okay, well, we're just going to ignore this right now. But he was on campus working for weeks until they made it official then when they make it official chuck they say he's co-dc or it's like well where's the other defensive coordinator Uh, and they still haven't hired anybody so you know the the timing of the dc thing and and you know and durkin and all of that is like if durkin was plan a 
surely he would have the job by now, I would think. And I don't think there's a big major difference if you would have gotten your D.C. a week ago versus, you know, the next three or four days. I don't think there's a big difference there. But the assumption was this was taking so long because they were waiting for the Houston Texans season to end because Chris Kiffin was the early favorite. And, of course, he is the Houston Texans linebackers coach. They coached together. He and Hugh Freeze coached together um, at Ole Miss. So, you know, I, I thought that's what was taking so long. If it does end up being D.J. Durkin, the question is going to be like, well, why did this take so long and why D.J. Durkin? Because it seems like it's three names. It seems like for the whole time, it's been DJ Durkin, Chris Kiffin, and Zach Arnett. And I think Auburn's fine with any of those three. Um, I certainly think that there's certainly an order. But, you know, I, I thought it was going to be Chris Kiffin. The fact that it's waited this long, it kind of makes me think Hugh Freeze wants to talk to him formally now that his season's over. Um, but you got to think an announcement will come the next few days. Zach, last thing, give me 30 seconds on this. And you don't cover South Carolina, but you know about Robbie Ashford. That's official, right? Um, can, is there a – is there a I'm an effective quarterback, I'm an impact quarterback in the SEC role for Robbie Ashford? Is that possible? I think it's possible. I think some things need to change. He needs to get better as a passer. And I think, you know, a very emotional kid. And I think yep. there's pros and cons to that. He's got to figure out a way to eliminate some of those cons. I think he got in his head a little bit too much. I think he said some stuff that he didn't mean to say. Um, he's got to fix that. And hopefully this fresh start for him um, gives him that opportunity because uh, the kid's talented. I don't think there's any question about that. Brother, I appreciate the input. It's wonderful, Zach. I appreciate your time, man. Of course, man. Talk to you soon. Locked on Auburn podcast. Remember he and Tank, not Zach Blackerby. <laughs> uh, Robbie Ashford and Tank, Bigsby. Got into it. I think maybe it was the, was it the Iron Bowl, Georgia game. There was something on the sidelines, and I was like, Robbie, you are an athletic, strong young man. Um, thanks, Tank. So, yeah, he, very emotional. And I think it was about who got the touchdown. Like, who's maybe Robbie kept the touchdown for himself or something, whatever it was. Um, but I was like, they may scrap on the sidelines. That's not going to be even less good for Robbie, but that's not good. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. What is the time that we live in? College football-wise, at least. The time we live in in 2024. 
in this year's recruiting class, this year's recruiting class, which is not official for another two weeks, in in this year's recruiting class, five-star quarterback Julian Sand is both Alabama's number one recruit and Ohio State's number one transfer. He's both in the same class. Um, at no point had transferred. Remember when Nick Saban lost his mind because Mo Smith wanted to go play one year at Georgia? My goodness. I want to welcome on right now a guy we always love talking to about a bunch of stuff, and we're going to talk about transfers. My goodness. I want to welcome on right now from 247. It's Graham Hall. Graham, how you doing, brother? Doing well. Hope all is well with you up there, man. Yeah, it is. Florida has been a net loser to this point in the transfer portal. Um, let's talk about what they're getting because they like a couple of corners. They like Pup Howard, the kid from South Carolina. They got a couple of offensive linemen they like. But the numbers right now, like there's a cinder block on the scale as far as outgoing on the portal. Um, not high school kids. Let's just talk transfers. Um, where is Billy Napier and UF right now? Because they still got a lot of spots. I think certainly Florida didn't want to lose several guys like Prince Leumen Mielin, Trevor Etienne, of course, who was their highest graded offensive player according to Pro Football Focus last year. Those were certainly losses that you you don't want and guys who would have impacted the roster next year. And they go out and add several players who I think are going to step in immediately and be able to contribute some along the offensive line, guys like Brendan Crenshaw Dixon. But really, you didn't see, I think, an immediate impact through the transfer portal for the Gators. I think recently, since we've got to 2024, Florida has made some really promising additions. Obviously, Jameer Grimsley, yesterday he moved in to Gainesville, Florida benefited from Nick Saban's retirement, as did a lot of other programs. You mentioned Grayson Howard. That was someone that Florida was in on until the very end of last year's recruiting cycle. He goes to South Carolina, realizes that he doesn't want to be in Columbia any longer and ends up coming to Gainesville. Those are guys that Florida is very eager to get on campus and, and very glad that they actually have them in the building now here. But as you mentioned, from a numbers perspective, they didn't certainly make up as much ground as they had when it came to the attrition process. And I think that once again means that you're going to see a lot of young players in Gainesville be thrust into high impact roles where they're going to have to play a whole bunch of snaps despite being underclassmen. That is extremely difficult, especially when you look at Florida's daunting schedule for 2024. So it certainly, I think, draws a question here of will the Gators be able to get meaningful contributions that are allowed to up their game this year, knowing that a lot of the roster is going to be much of the same young guys in very, very valuable roles for this program. And certainly I don't think they've gone out and landed any one of those top transfers that many people were expecting them to land after all the pressure was on Billy Napier and his coaching staff to make sure that the problems from 2023 weren't going to be the same ones in 2024. It certainly, I think, has not alleviated any of the pressure for him and the seat maybe even a little bit hotter right now. All right, Graham, roll with me, because you were on the line. You were listening to me talk about Julian Sayan. The 18-year-old high school kid is listed as one team's biggest recruit and one team's biggest incoming transfer. We just live in weirdness. Um, December, like a month ago, Dontre Robinson signs with Texas. Then about two weeks ago or a week ago, he decommits from the Longhorns, gets approval to transfer, and now he's with Florida. How did all that unfold? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that a lot of it comes down to how often you recruit a guy to the end of the cycle. Maybe when he realized when he got to Austin that it wasn't going to be as promising as he would have liked. Obviously, there were some coaching changes 
there that played a part as well. And then I think that Florida's the attrition that they experienced, he saw that he could come in and contribute earlier in Gainesville. You know, I got to give Texas some credit here because they did what Alabama did it, and they let him out of his signed letter of intent. I mean, sometimes when you see guys actually sign and get on campus in January and then they try and enter the portal or want to transfer, have second thoughts, so they say, you know, you're out of luck here. But Texas let him out of his NLI, and that is not what – uh, happened with Jameer Grimsley. You know, when you had the change coach in, in Tuscaloosa here, he had to actually enter the transfer portal and transfer to another program. So give Texas some credit here. A guy that, you know, a young kid who obviously had some second thoughts and the relationships that he built in Gainesville managed to get him to Florida within a month after he was enrolled at Texas here. Yep. And, and Florida has made some changes along their coaching staff as well. Getting Gerald Chapman, the defensive line coach, may have played a part a guy who had a relationship with him as well. So certainly this is one of those weird situations here, but I think it all boils down to these are difficult decisions for an 18-year-old to make. They're going to have second thoughts. They're going to get cold feet. That happens everywhere in Florida benefited from that. And for everyone who doesn't cover the Gators, um, DeAndre Robinson is a big giant freshman, actually I guess a high school senior um, out of Orlando. And it's important because, as Graham pointed out there, He's not a transfer. He's an incoming freshman. He's listed as he just signed with the rest of the high school kids, not like Julian Sayan, who's listed now as a transfer to Ohio State. Um, all right, so let's talk about the unpleasantness. I thought it was just going to be egg on their face. Um, is UF in Dutch with the NCAA over the Jaden Rashada stuff? What's going on there? Is this a bigger problem than maybe we thought it would be? I thought it would just be embarrassment. I think a lot of it remains to be seen. I think it's important to keep in mind that they haven't been disciplined yet. It's just an investigation where the NCAA is digging around, interviewing people who were involved. Florida has attempted to be proactive here in making sure that they took some steps to ensure that this wouldn't happen again. And a lot of the times when you appease the NCAA in that regard, you're going to end up getting a little slap on the wrist here, maybe a few scholarships reduced. We'll have to wait and see what ends up happening if any penalties are actually uh, you know, occur here for the Florida program, but they are definitely digging around and they're not the only one, you know, it has come to light. Certainly the NCAA has looked into inducements with NIL here. And I think that everyone out there and their mother believes that this is happening everywhere. I think that when you saw the Florida state news come out about Alex Atkins, I think there was a lot of people who reacted and said, wait, you can't do that. That probably happens at every single program here. NIL is such a massive piece right now. And it really came to light last year. The Jane Rashada stuff was so public. You saw that eight-figure sum that was thrown around for him. He obviously doesn't end up enrolling at UF due to NIL reasons here. And I think that when that happens and everything becomes public, the NCAA is going to think it's a little bit, you know, a a fish that they can fry, a little low-hanging fruit where they feel like they can come in there and say, hey, listen, this is what we've seen, and we have to investigate all of this. I think Florida has made some alterations to their collective. They moved away from the Gator Collective, disbanded it, and now it's Florida Victorious. And and they've kind of stressed to the NCAA, from what I've gathered, that this is not going to be an issue moving forward for Florida. But, of course, the NCAA is digging around, and I wouldn't be surprised knowing how slow-moving the NCAA can be at times. This is something that we hear about in 2025, end of 2024, and it's something that maybe impacts potentially. You never know what happens with a coaching change. This could be something that another coach is dealing with after Billy Napier will end up seeing because Billy Napier did the same thing with Dan Mullen. They were hit in December 2020 with some penalties under Dan Mullen here. So this just could be something that impacts the program if 
penalties are applied that you're going to see this being dragged on but certainly you don't want the NCAA digging around and getting into your business I think that's probably the most concerning thing for a program like Florida wrapping up Graham Hall get him on Twitter at Graham Hall he did not have a focus group he just came up with that on his own um 247 sports is where you can read Graham every single day does a great job covering UF Swamp 247 um all right coaching staff stuff uh we know it started back at the end of November with Raymond and Sean Spencer y'all are out um I think most Florida fans would have thought two months later almost two months later there'd be an offensive coordinator or a play caller or something going on as Napier really thinking about like is this status quo going forward with with play callers and etc it very well could be I think that a lot of the questions about Florida's offense may be a little bit overblown I mean the offense didn't allow LSU to gain 700 yards Graham Mertz I thought looked really good last year better than a lot of people expected their run game would have been better if it wasn't for some injuries along the offensive line and I think if you're Billy Napier you saw how that unit improved down the stretch you may believe that you're not going to want to blow this whole thing up just given the promise that you saw last year in Gainesville. We also haven't seen a special teams coordinator hired. I I doubt that happens. But a lot of the restructuring has been on the defensive side of the ball, which if you go back and look, that, that in hindsight makes a lot more sense to me. You had a young defensive coordinator in Austin Armstrong last year. You end up losing, like you said, Corey Raymond, Sean Spencer, Jay Bateman takes the defensive coordinator job at Texas A&M as well. Obviously, I think they wanted to get a little bit more of an experienced mind in the room that could help out Armstrong, work with the linebackers, and they got that in Ron Roberts, a guy who had experience with Billy Napier, also was at Baylor and recently at Auburn here. I think that they're hoping that the defensive improvements will maybe take some of the you know, microscope off of the offense that, that people were looking at last year. And I think it's worth keeping in mind that Graham Mertz returns, of course, mm-hmm. to this offense. And Billy Napier hasn't had a returning quarterback at Florida. He's had to start fresh each year. So you think that maybe that's going to lead to some improvement next season. But, of course, if, if you know the defense doesn't get fixed, the offense can do whatever it wants, and they're still going to be at, at the mercy of losing games the way that they did last year. But I know that that's not what fans want to hear, that they're not going to make offensive changes. And some people can look at that and be like, oh, man, this is going to be really telling the the pressure is on Billy Napier. I think that's the biggest thing here. You really have a coach who is putting all of the pressure on him to be successful, especially in a day and age when you're seeing coaches move away from that, make hiring changes to take some of the pressure off of them. Billy Napier is intent on showing that he is the guy who can call plays for this team as it stands right now. But you go back to last year, Florida had some changes to the coaching staff in February last year. They go out and hire wide receivers coach. When the NFL season's over, I think you absolutely could see some changes to the offensive coaching structure. That is still a possibility. But right now, Florida clearly is not rushing to do that because they haven't done that since the season ended nearly two months ago, guys. It does not have to be... I mean, like, there was a day in Gainesville, you couldn't look left or right without seeing NFL, like, Sunday receivers all over that team. So it doesn't have to be like Aaron Hernandez and Riley Cooper and Percy Harvin and, you know, like, it doesn't have to be that. When is it going to look like Florida again, though, on the outside? They have good-looking athletes, but, like, when is it going to – Ricky Pearsall is by far the best option was last year. Um, When's it going to be that way again? I think that you could see definitely some improvement from those underclassmen this upcoming season. Eugene Wilson the third was absolutely a godsend for the Gators last year, graded out really, really well. I think that Florida fans were even hoping that he'd be more involved in the yep. offense yep. than he was as a guy who arrived in June. You know, you also have Andy Jean, Aiden Mizell, 
speed on the outside right there. You get another high-promising tight end and Amir Jackson. You get Arliss Boardingham back. Two guys who Florida is very, very high on, of course, with Hayden Hansen as well. And then you get another guy in Dre Hawkins, who's one of the best wide receivers in this class in my mind. Certainly, I think he has the argument as the fastest one. I think he ran a 10.4 100-meter dash. I mean, that is just blazing fast. He's called tank for a reason. I think that you could see that some of those guys are able to give Florida a little bit more speed and space, which, like you said, has been sorely missing. And outside of Ricky Pearsall, there was not really a, a go-to target for the Gators last season. If they can get a couple more of those guys, especially underclassmen, involved, I think that you'll see a lot more improvements. And then I think maybe one that's flying under the right radar is Shamir DK, who was at Wisconsin with Graham Mertz. He obviously didn't have a great season last year, but when they were together with the Badgers, I think that they were a really, really good duo in Florida's counting on that kind of becoming a thing once again now that they've reunited in Gainesville. I prep him not at all when it comes to the Gators. Graham knows what it is. Thank you for coming on, friend. Always my pleasure. Y'all take care out there. 247 Sports. That's where he does his work. So, yeah, good call on Trey Wilson. That's Eugene, right? He goes by Trey. He's the third. Yeah, Trey. You know what he is? A perfect example. Now, I'm sure that if you lined him up on the goal line and said, I'm down at the 40 with my stopwatch, it would be an impressive time. I'm sure he has great, like, run fast in a straight line sort of speed. You know what? You watch Trey Wilson for Florida. You know what his game is? He is he is slippery. He is quick. He is stop and start. He is make you miss. Do you know how you know that? Um bubbles and tunnels there's something about a punt return if you can make the first guy miss you're usually good for about 12 15 yards make the first guy miss he can do that um and that's always been my goal you catch a punt take one first down off the field that's all just move just one fewer first down for the offense and as long as we have possession i will call it square He can do a lot more than that. And when you think about that type of player, I'm sure his straight, maybe he's a state sprint champion too. But what I saw last year was a kid who, once the ball's in his hands, he had a bad moment, didn't he? Wasn't he the kid that was supposed to change jersey numbers against Utah? Like there were a couple of threes on the field or whatever the jersey number was. He had a couple of true freshmen in his first moments in a big-time environment sort of thing. And I was like, I think he looks good, but he had just a couple of freshman moments. That kid is a next-level talent, man. And again, think of him. I mentioned Percy Harvin. Get the ball to Percy. How Snap it to Percy. Hand it to Percy. Kick it to Percy. Throw it to Percy. I don't know. Like, do that XFL thing where you start Percy on the goal line versus somebody from the other team, and they got a, how far did they, hey, how far did they have to run in the XFL to get the opening kickoff? Do you remember that? Like, they would put the ball out like a piece of meat and then release the hounds. I think it might have been 15 yards, but I'll double check it and see if we can get an answer on that. Like a Hunger Games death sprint for the opening possession of the ball, which is a great way to throw out a shoulder. It is. First first possession that they ever had. The dude screwed up his shoulder trying to fight for it. So, um, I don't, whatever, Percy. Yeah, Percy's just better than everybody else every single Saturday. That's not other guys. You have to kind of say, what is it they do? I think I know what Eugene Wilson does. Slippery. Bubbles, tunnels, make a guy miss, and then gone. So that's just that's that's a lot of upside there. But it used to be, and it doesn't have to be this way. You can win a national championship without it being this way. 
But Florida, it used to be this way. <laughs> it used to be there's Ike Hilliard and there's Riddell Anthony and there's Jacquez Green. There's a Washington Redskin. There's a New York Giant. There's a Minnesota Viking. There's like you used to see these guys. And that has been more than a minute. So, all right, we're going to break. We'll come up, wrap up uh, hour one next. to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. That's why it was so easy for me to pick them when I did enter the transfer portal because we still have those relationships. And um, even even after I was doing bad in the SEC, you know, and, you know, struggling, they hit me up and said, um, you know, we're proud of you. You're going to get through this. And um, that's what that's what ultimately helped me with my decision because, you know, I still, I still believed in me. Oh, from the mouths of babes. That's Caden Proctor, late of Tuscaloosa. Now he's a transfer to the Iowa Hawkeyes. He announced his decision Saturday on social media. And then he was in town in Iowa City for the Purdue game, the basketball game against big old, was it Zach Eady? Is that, uh, wow, what a player. And so Purdue's awesome. And so they had a big game, and so he's there. Now, he's from Iowa. And he had committed there. And then he's like, yeah, you know what, left tackle, I'm going to go to Alabama. And he was, a, he was not, he did not have a perfect, flawless season. David, would you re-rack that? Uh, I'm going to call for David to play that just because there was one part. of So he started at Alabama, and he didn't have a perfect, error-free season. There were some turnstile moments, but the kid started and left tackle in the SEC for a team that's the conference champion and loses one game and makes the playoffs. Whoo! Oh, the future's bright. Now the future's at Iowa. Play what he said again. That's why it was so easy for me to pick them when I did enter the transfer portal because we still have those relationships. And um, even even after I was doing bad in the SEC, you know, and, you know, struggling, they hit me up. All right, stop, said, stop, stop. No, no, not you, David. Stop, stop, Caden Proctor. I don't think I was supposed to be reaching out to you giving you encouraging messages when you give up a sack and a half to Middle Tennessee on a Saturday, which, by the way, happened. Um, I don't think Iowa, and they kept encouraging me even after I was in the SEC and struggling and doing bad. Isn't that what he just said? Stop talking. Heath, how are you? Better than whoever it was that uh, heard that clip in the Bama offices or I guess the Iowa offices and uh, knows that Bama is going to be passing that information on as quick as they can. Like yeah, it, that, does this even like cock an eyebrow now? I mean, uh, we it, it certainly feels like we're living in a time where all crime is legal. It's like that uh, purge movie basically for NCAA rules. But I, I do think having someone say on the record that he was contacted in season while not in the portal yes! is probably not the best while thing. While I was struggling, like, I don't know. I, you know what I'm going to do? I see a guy throw a pick on a Saturday. I'm texting him right then. Hey, you know what? The weather down here and the less humidity can hang on to the ball a lot better. 
Well, I like with the Caleb Downs thing. There were obviously so many people talking about the idea about, hey, you saw Kirby go over to him, give him the big old handshake after the SEC championship game. Oh, great to see you. You know, re- maintaining relationships is one thing, but you can't do that. No. Uh, one quick note that uh, the the dominoes are still falling, obviously, from the Saban departure. You had Washington lose their coach, which leads to Arizona losing their coach, which leads to San Jose State losing their coach. And meanwhile, Alabama hires away South Alabama's coach and Buffalo's coach. That might be it for head coaches, but Chuck... Uh, we're still seeing the dominoes fall. And one place that I guarantee you did not think when Nick Saban retired, this was going to take a big old chunk out of their staff was Columbia, South Carolina. And over the weekend, Buffalo replaced that departing coach for the Alabama staff by hiring away Pete Limbo, the special teams coach from South Carolina. That is an enormous loss for Shane Beamer. Limbo has been there with him for all three years, is a guy with former head coaching experience, so a guy that could be an effective sounding board when you're a head coach looking for something to work with. And their special teams has won them games. They have been tremendous. They weren't quite as good this year as they were last year, but they've been great at finding the right recruits for kickers and punters. Uh, they, they've, they've executed in game situations. They can hire another good coach, and obviously Beamer understands special teams, but they are going to miss Pete Limbo, man. That's a big loss for them. And you know the new Arizona coach is Brent Brennan, and we will talk about his cousin a little bit later in program in hour two. Going to take a break. Come back. More next. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. 